Well, welcome to part three of our series, Are We There Yet?, um, where uh, we are crossing into the last half of this series. So if you missed week one or week two, you can always catch up online uh, or through our app. Um, but to recap really, really quickly, in the first week, we learned the first rule about how to navigate detours well, because there are always detours in life. They look different. They take longer. They send you in different directions. But if we could learn to navigate the detours of life better, then life would be better. And so rule number one we learned to help us navigate detours better is to build margin into your journey. And we learned a number of things, including that Taylor, uh, myself, am I a hypocrite or what when it comes to not building margin into my life? I just go, go, go. And it's really, really hard to do. It's really hard to slow down. It's really hard to stop. That's why I was trying to sell you all on small groups, because it's just a time to just stop, to pump the brakes in life and to be in community together. And uh, the other thing we kind of talked about, spent some time with is that we don't know what to do when there's nothing to do. Like in today's world, we either feel ashamed that we don't have anything to do, and then we just start to shake, and we got to get our hand, you know, we got to go, where's our schedule, or we got, we got baseball tournaments, we got something that we have to do, and we don't do nothing well. We don't rest well. So we talked about that in week one. Then week two, we talked about who's around us, the people who we surround ourselves with, the people who we go through life together, on the trip together with, and that we need to decide who goes on the trip with us wisely. Because all of life is a bit of a journey, and then there's like smaller journeys throughout life, and, and we need to be really wise when it comes to who's around us, because your mama and your dad told you growing up that when you go out, son or daughter, and you're going to go on a long trip or something like that, what'd they tell you not to do? Not to pick up, right, because they're, yeah, they're strange. I was going to say they're strange, but you know, yeah, they're dangerous. Okay, yeah, because you know the people in the car with you can be dangerous, can hurt you, can take you in a new direction that you probably shouldn't be going. And, uh, and they're definitely, some people are not helpful when you hit the detours of life. And so you got to decide who goes on the trip um, with you wisely. So today for rule number three, as we've been talking about it, um, rule number three, what I want to do is to start off by really realizing the truth of the little song that we heard before the funny video, the little rolling video there, um, that life is a highway, right? And that song uh, by Tom Cochran was made famous in the movie... Cars. Cars. Wow, big Pixar fan in the back. Okay, yeah, yeah, one day here... And the next day, gone. That's one of the lines in the song. And, and this is a line that I think we really have to come to terms with. And some of us try to ignore this reality that when you're traveling and really just in life, things go by really, really quickly. The older you get too, I think this is where you start to realize it. The older you get, you start to realize that um, life goes by really fast. And before you know it, Seasons, whole seasons of life, whole opportunities are gone and will probably never come back. And it's humbling, right? It's, it's a little humbling. I was driving today and I uh, took a video. Wait, uh, I was riding in the passenger seat and I, and I took a video uh, while somebody else was driving uh, this morning into church because I realized this is a really uh, true phenomenon uh, that, that you don't think things are coming faster than they actually are. So for example, here's the video of somebody else driving and me videoing. There's the road sign, right? And it's there. It's there. Oh, here's the hill's exit. We got so much time, right? So much time, so much time. And then boom, 
it's gone. When it actually gets there, it's just a split second and it's gone, right? But you see it from so far off and so you think, oh, I got time, you know, I can figure this out, it won't be here, it won't be here until boom, it's gone, right? The kids have graduated, right? The dating lives are slowing down and it's hard to find someone. You know, the work life is really difficult, hard to find what, what you really want to do because things just go by in life so quickly. Now, considering how fast life goes, there is, and by the way, one life goes. There's no two lives. There's no, I get to try this again thing, right? You got one life, one chance, one opportunity, and things go by so quickly. The one thing that I thought as I was thinking about this is really crazy that all of us do in life, but we rarely ever do it when we drive. We rarely ever do it when we drive, but we kind of do it all the time in life. And that is that we drive without a destination in life. But it's pretty rare for you to get in the car and just drive with nowhere in mind, right? I mean, some of you may just go drive around, but you ultimately know you're going to come back home, right? The only exception I could think about to this rule were parents of young children, because sometimes you put your small children in the car kicking and screaming and you drive and you aren't coming home until what? Yeah, exactly. The destination you're going for is peace and quiet and you will drive so long as it takes. We may not come home, I don't know. But for the most part, right, when you go somewhere, you have a destination in mind. But isn't it so funny because in life, we drive sometimes in a direction without a destination in mind. We don't really know where our career is going. We don't really know where our life is, is going. We're really, ultimately, we're drifting versus deciding. We're just kind of adrift. You know, when it comes to our uh, physical health, you know, we just kind of, we're just drifting along. Ah, no, I should work out. I mean, I tell myself that all the time. And Steph and I talk about, we got to work out. And then we just don't. We just kind of, we're just drifting. You know, when it comes to your parenting, parenting your kids, there were seasons, and maybe you're currently in a season of this, where you just, you're just kind of drifting. You don't really know where you're taking your parenting skills. You just kind of, I just doing it, right? I should innately know how to raise children, which is just the silliest concept ever. Like, how do we know how to raise kids? But we're just drifting. You're drifting when it comes to your husband or your wife. You're just kind of drifting through that. And they're looking at you like, oh my gosh, yeah, we, we are drifting. And you're thinking about your spouse right now. It's like, where are we headed? Where are we going? Or maybe you're in a dating relationship and, and, and y'all looking at each other like, where, where is this train headed? You know, I don't, I don't really know. We're just kind of adrift and there's nothing really to change anything. There's nothing really to cause us to make a difference or make a different decision. So we just kind of, we drift. We do this in our spiritual life and our faith life all the time. We say, oh, you know, I believe in God or I believe there is a God or there's Jesus and, and you know, I, I think, you know, there's Christmas and there's Easter and I'll go those times. But for the rest of it, I'm just kind of drifting. But before you know it, the opportunity to decide is gone because that's how fast life works. And I get where some of us, we tell ourselves a lot of reasons that we're not adrift when we really are adrift. We say, you know, we're just being patient we tell ourselves, ah, I just give myself a little bit more time. I'll figure it out. And there's a time to be patient. But in reality, we know deep down we're drifting. And when we drift, 
The hard part is other people tend to make the decisions for us. So if you're going through your life and it just feels like everybody else has more input into what you're doing than, than you do, it may be because you're adrift. You haven't actually decided. And the hard part about other people is they generally don't have our best interests in mind. And so that makes it really difficult. Or we go through life and we, we call it that we're deciding, but it's really an illusion. I'm going to call it destination by subtraction. In other words, we make a stop at a town and we say, eh, no, this isn't very nice. Let's keep going. So we haven't actually, we've decided that we're not going to stop here. We're not going to go here, but we don't really know where we're going. And so we just say no to everything. You know, I don't like that. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And it's like, well, what are you going to do? It's like trying to feed a toddler a little bit, not to be offensive, but I mean, seriously, it's like, hey, honey, do you, you know, we got to eat. So you're hangry, you know, and, and what would you like to eat? You know, on a granola bar or go-go squeeze, or if you've known, I, we do this all the time in our family, you know, do you want grilled cheese? You want mac and cheese? I mean, any kind of cheese? I don't know. And, and um, they just, what do they say? No, 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 no. And it'd just be like, oh my gosh, you know what would be so much easier, sweetheart, is if you just decided, because then you'd have what you want, and mommy and daddy would live a few years longer. <laughs> but since we don't decide, everybody just lives in a perpetual state of stress, okay? And the biggest problem, the biggest problem I see with being adrift is one day may come where you actually decide. And when you finally decide, though, you may not be on the right road. In fact, there's a really good chance that you're not going to be on the right road. In fact, the right road is like 20 states away. And so you're going to have to work even harder to get back to where you actually need to be, where you actually decided that you need to be. Because if you head north, there's no way you're going to end up south. But many of us live life like that's how the world works, and it doesn't. And so it's easier, in my opinion, to decide and move forward with direction than to be adrift. Right? It's easier to retire when you've spent the first part of your life with the destination in mind. It's easier to enjoy your adult children if you've raised your children with direction and intention when it comes to, hey, what do we want our uh, mother and father relationship to look like with our kids when they're 30, when they're 40? And if you, if you parent with that in mind, I'm just telling you, it will make a big difference. And how your kids raise their kids, it'll impact that as well. It's easier, you know, if you have financial, uh, if you have financial uh, dreams and, and uh, destination in mind to plan financially, but oftentimes we don't, and it just makes life more difficult. And so the bottom line for today, week, week number three, number, uh, the third rule is determine a destination. Because when you do, when detours come up, you know how to get back on track. You know how to get back on track. And you don't drift through life. So what areas are you adrift? You know, yeah, I'm not saying you're like fully adrift, but you know, you could do better. There are some decisions, some commitments, some promises, some choices that you really could make that would make a difference. Okay, good luck. Let's pray. <laughs> it's like, that'd be the shortest sermon ever. We love this church. Yeah. Okay. All right, there's more to the rule. Determine a destination and borrow a map. 
and, and the map. For some of you, a map is a paper thing that you unfold and you look at. I just want to be clear with what that is. Okay, they're on phones too these days. But, but let's just think back, you know, the paper map to, to a pathway or a way to get to where we want to go. To help us to get to where we want to go the most efficiently and effectively as possible. Now, when we moved uh, back to Iowa from Seattle, uh, what was that, six years ago, um, I was doing, I think we did like three trips back and forth driving uh, by we, I mean me, and then Steph did one of them because she was still working at the time because somebody had to pay the bills. And um, so I was, uh, I was coming back to Iowa and uh, we just closed on our house and I was headed on uh, Highway 20, which for those of you that don't know Iowa very well, runs right through the middle of Iowa. And I was headed to Iowa City and it was a cloudy day. Uh, and uh, the, I don't think the visibility was like too good. Maybe it was a little foggy at the time as well. And I've been driving at that point a lot. And so I didn't really, you know, uh, have a, um, you know, I just kind of went autopilot. You know, when you're driving along you just kind of switch yourself into autopilot and so um, I was driving uh, 20 and then in Waterloo you have to make a right onto 380 to come down to Iowa City but I was on the phone I was distracted not recording videos by the way I was just talking on the phone right and and you know it was cloudy and all that because I couldn't, couldn't see very well and before I knew it I started to think to myself something's not right here because I feel like I should have turned by now. Halfway to Dubuque, I realized that I had missed my exit. Why did I miss my exit? Well, part of the reason was I didn't have a map pulled up because I thought I knew better. I thought I wouldn't get distracted. I thought nothing would come up to keep me from getting to where I've been because I knew how to get there up here. But it doesn't always work out that well, does it? We think we don't need a map. Some of us drive like we don't need a map. But what is a map? A map is another set of eyes, a new perspective on maybe the same journey. It helps us get to our destination oftentimes more quickly. How often, just out of curiosity, how often do you really feel like you question the GPS? Like you question the GPS, but then you ultimately just go with what the GPS says anymore, right? Now, five, ten years ago, that wasn't the case. But nowadays, it's like the GPS knows. And it's scary how the GPS knows because everybody's being tracked, it feels like. Anyway, sorry, I don't know. <laughs> that was weird. But, you know, okay. Yeah, how do you know there are cars there? That's weird. Um, yeah. But humanity, I think collectively, humanity has been humbled by the GPS because it's a map that gets us there faster every time. And, I, here, and this is the principle of life, because the chances are good that someone in life has already been where you want to go. Somebody has already been there. And if you've already decided where you want to go, chances are somebody has already been there. That's not something you got to feel bad about. It's not something you got to copy what they did. You can just take what they have learned and experienced. Don't reinvent the wheel, but you can make the wheel your own. But nobody's out there with a square wheel, are they? Why? Because somebody's already been there and they know this is a better way to go. So why not find a map? Why not find someone who knows, who's been there, who, and ask for counsel. Ask for a second opinion. 
That's a pretty common thing to do in big decisions, is it not? To ask a second opinion when it comes to your, your health. Because their map may help you. But we don't like asking for that. Because why? Because number one, it hurts our pride. You know, we don't want to be the one to, you know, need help. Because then we're like a failure or less than. In my opinion, a map isn't failure. Map is, using a map is maturity. It's wise to know your limits. It's wise to know what you can and cannot do. It's maturity. And number two, the the reason I think that people um, don't want to ask for directions or ask for a map is you already have a sense of what the answer is going to be and you just don't want to hear it. It's kind of true, isn't it? Like you're okay hearing it, but you're not actually going to do it because you already know the answer. I, I, and I'm not saying you got to do anything about this. I'm just, this is just an observation, okay? I've kind of been shocked over the years. I've been, you know, infused church and preaching almost every Sunday. I mean, most, most years I preach somewhere around 45 times, okay, a year. Um, and I only work Sundays. So on those, <laughs> on those 45 times a year, I have been shocked at the number of times people have actually followed up to ask a follow-up question on my message. Now, I like to think it's because I'm just so incredibly clear and direct and just the most amazing preacher you have ever heard, but come on, I'm not that good. But why is it that nobody asks for follow-up? I know one of the big questions I always try to ask once a year is, what does love require of me? But nobody rings me up and says, hey, Taylor, I got this situation going on. I'm trying to make this decision. I'm trying to decide what to do in my career and my relationships or life or something like that. And how do I parent my kid? Those kind of things. And nobody says, hey, Taylor, here's what I think love requires of me in this situation. What do you think? And I get plenty of emails every week. So don't feel like you got to email me now and ask every time, like, Taylor, you said. (laughs) Okay. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, like, nobody asks for follow-up. Why? Because I have a sense, because I get to preach God's truth, okay? You know the answer already. You just don't want another person telling you the answer that you know that you don't want to do. And so we just avoid it. But the truth is the map could get you there easier and better. So why not take the map? And Jesus knew. Jesus knew that we would struggle asking for a map. He knew we'd struggle asking for directions. Our pride would get in the way. So when he came out there in Matthew chapter 5 and he gives this big sermon on the mount, um, some of you heard if you grew up in church as like the, the best of Jesus, you know, kind of the hot top hits, you know, you need to do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And he goes through a ton of things. And he like takes the bar of morality and puts it way up here. Like nobody's going to be able to hit that bar, Jesus, but he puts it there anyways. And so you read it and you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm just terrible. I could never be a Christian, okay? But that's not the point, so don't stress out. And, but some of you, you know, you went to churches and they just hammered those things in, into you and said, if you don't, you're terrible and you're, you're going to go to hell and we're going to learn about that here in a couple weeks. So that's going to be fun. But anyways, um, you'll be able to figure out if you're going to go there or not. Okay. It's going to be fun. No, I'm just kidding. It's going to be really good. Okay. It's going to be really good. So um, yeah, people are laughing today. I don't normally. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyways, uh, and so he knew that um, 
so, so he gives all this um, morality and here's what you need to do to be a, a good Christian behavior, okay? Why is he doing that? Like any good parent, you want your kid to succeed, right? And so you set the bar, even a bar that sometimes you didn't keep as a kid because you want the best for them. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's laying it out because he loves you. And then at the very end, we've talked about this passage before because it's so interesting. At the very end, Jesus knows we're going to have a hard time with this. And so he addresses it right at the very end in Matthew chapter 7 of his whole sermon. He has this parable at the very end. And a parable is a story to illustrate a point or two or three or four. So he tells this story to get the point across. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words, the words that I've just been preaching to you of mine, and puts them into practice. uh Uh-oh. You actually have to do them. You hear my words and you actually do them. When you listen to wise counsel, when you borrow a map, that's what he means, putting it in practice, you borrow the map and you actually do them. Some truth that rubs up against us and says, oh man, we probably should do something different. That kind of, I got to put it into practice. The thing that we resist, put it into practice. You hear the words of mine and put them into practice You will, you will get happily to your destination, their destination, financially, relationally, emotionally, and occupationally. He didn't say that. I'm just kidding. No, no. Jesus didn't promise that you're going to get to all of these things perfectly if you put these things into practice. Jesus didn't say, here's a one-stop fix for all of life because you are too smart. You know that life doesn't just go perfectly in all these things just because you do everything that Jesus says or you try to do everything that Jesus said. Jesus is not uh, saying, if you do this, you won't suffer. Suffering is a part of the journey of life. No journey is perfect, even Jesus's. But Jesus is inviting you and me into a new destination, to decide on a new destination and to accept to borrow a map for how to get there. A destination where we have peace, where we feel life, we do things right. And he said, if you put this into practice, if you put this into practice, you are like a wise man or woman. Not a rich man or woman. Not a perfectly happy, smart, educated, got everything together, but a wise person. You are wise if you put this into practice. You are a wise man who built his house. He said, you got to build it. We don't like to build things anymore because building things takes time. And we don't have time anymore. We don't have patience to wait and do it the right way, to figure it out step by step by step. We don't want to do that. We want it right now. A wise person, though, takes the time. A wise person puts it into repetition. Because what do you have to do if you build a house? You got to put every nail and every screw in there just right over and over and over and over again to make it all come together. It requires discipline. It requires something that we hate to think about, delayed gratification. It requires doing it right, to put every board up in the right place so that it all fits 
together. And to do that well, you have to have a destination in mind and a plan to get there. Because you're not just building a house. Jesus doesn't mean a physical house. He means your life. A house is a life. You're building a life, an exceptionally complicated thing with many rooms and different layouts and different fields, all working together to provide safety and comfort and peace for those who are in it. You're building something that matters. And when you build it and you build it right, and you're wise about it, you build it on a rock. A rock. A rock is the roadmap. The rock is gonna get you there through the thick and thin. It's gonna get you to where you want to go. Even when you screw up, even when you get distracted, it's gonna keep it grounded where it needs to be. Would you, or why would you, go through life, your one life, without a map? I mean, if you ever, how many of you would actually build a house on your own from the ground up with no direction whatsoever? That wouldn't be very wise, would it? So why do we go through our one life, even if maybe we got the destinations all figured out, without a map? We've never been through this life before. We've seen other people maybe go through it, but we've never been through it before. We've never been at this age that we all are at right now. So why would we go through it without a map, a destination? And Jesus says, why not, why not, just consider, why not start with me? Why not start with me as your rock? Why not start with me and what I taught and what I modeled as your map to go forward? Why not? Why not? Because when you don't, and you know what happens when you don't, when you don't have intentionality. It's like you build your, ha- your house, and what Jesus said in the parable, on sand. And what does sand do? Sand drifts. Sand drifts. It goes with the flow, with the tide, with the water. And therefore, it is really easy to wash it away especially when the detours come, because that's what that is, right? Sand is like a detour. Oh, I didn't expect that to move and get out of the way and disappear, but that's what it does. And when it does, the rain comes down, when the detours of life come down and the streams rise and the winds blew and beat against that house that was built on sand, it fell with a great crash. But that's not really a shock to you, is it? So let me ask you, how are you building your one life? Are you building it with a destination or destinations in mind for certain seasons of life? Do you have a good map that you're following? Do you have a map that brings you peace and is firm and is not going to rock and and sway and move in the waves of life and the detours of life? Are you intentionally moving with direction with every nail and every board that you put up, every window, every lock that you put up with your one Life? Do you have your destination set? For those of you who are thinking, okay, well, Taylor, this is, this is good, this is good, but uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Taylor, I have picked some bad destinations in my life so far. Maybe you're in a bad destination right now, and you're coming to realize it, coming to terms with it right now, you're drift right now. It's not the end of the world. Here's what I'd say to you. Learn what you can. Ask questions. Find a new destination. Find a map. Pray, crazy idea. Pray. 
Get in a group. Ask for accountability. Ask for other people's wisdom and insight. That's the power of group. That's why when Jesus started Christianity, he started with the church in mind, the church, a community of people that come together regularly to worship and help one another, to serve one another. I'm in the wrong destination. I'm going to start making different choices towards a new destination. And I'm going to invite wisely, I'm going to invite people around me. For those of you who say, well, Taylor, I'm in an age right now. I'm in a season of life where, you know what, it's kind of too late to set a new destination. So I don't know why I'd exactly start now. Because I don't know if I really have that much left to contribute. And so I'm just going to kind of drift from this point forward. Because I hear that a lot. And it is one of the most frustrating things I think I have ever heard. Because what you're saying, what you're saying is those of you who have experienced the most of life, the most of this journey are saying you don't have anything to share with anybody else. That makes no sense. Sorry, I'm getting angry. Okay. <clears throat> you probably are the best map makers of anyone because you have gone through the journey. So share the gift and experiences and help others. And maybe even yourself learn along the way. Share that with others. Again, that's why we do the group thing. Because, and sometimes there is a wide generational gap in some of our groups. And sometimes it's seen as a bad thing. Because it's like, well, I'm not in that season of life. But you were. Or I'm not in their season of life. But you will be. Don't you think you could help each other to navigate life better? Don't you think you have some things you can fill in on other people's maps? John wrote, followed Jesus, and when Jesus' closest followers wrote the Gospel of John. And he wrote letters, and he wrote the, about kind of the end times, and when Jesus kind of comes back and all that kind of stuff. He wrote all of that, and some of that he wrote when he was an old man, because he was one of the only disciples that we know of who had kind of lived a full life, who, who wasn't uh, um, pretty much killed for, for their Christian beliefs. We would be in a real bind without John. Because John laid out theologically Jesus in a whole different way. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. Why? Because God so loved the world. That's John writing. He said, this is what I experienced as I have lived through generations now. And I'm kind of near the end of my life. Here's what I've learned. And I want to give you a map. A map that has been used and passed down for thousands of of years. And for those of you who are looking for a grass, a greener destination, the grass is always greener on the other side kind of thing. Okay. You need to go onto our website and watch um, Stephanie's message from a few years ago about grass. And all of you got little grass tufts that you took home and half of you killed it. And that's okay. But you know, you got this illustration of this grass. You need to watch that. But here's what I want you to think about. If like, you're like, oh, I can find a better destination, a better one and a better one and a better one. Just be careful. Just be careful. You're after the right things in the destination that you're seeking. The grass is greener destination. Okay? Make sure you're after the right things. Because many of us, let's be honest, aren't. And Jesus can help with that in Jesus' map. And Jesus wants to help determine your destination. Jesus wants you to borrow his map. He wants to lay it all out so you can have and experience a fullness of life. We're all living our first chance at our one life. All of us. Regardless of the season that we're in, we're all living our first chance at our one life. So 
So here's what I want to ask you is why not, think about this, why not reference, refer to, follow the man who went, who died, because that's, some of us are very concerned with that, understandable, died and rose again. Do you think he may have some insights on how to live life better? I don't know. Who did that and his response, his invitation afterwards was follow me. Why not? Pick a destination and follow the map of someone who died for you because he loved you that much. How many people in your life have laid their life down for you? I can think of at least one. And he wants you to follow him, him as, his, as your destination and your map. The man who transformed literally, and you can't argue this, uh, you know, regardless of where you are in faith, you can't argue that Jesus changed the world. And overall, I think, for the better. So why not follow him? Why not surround yourself with the church that he has given? Look to them for guidance and reference and direction. Why not go and read the Sermon on the Mount? Read that and say, Jesus, this is your map. How can I follow it better? How can I be honest with myself about my decisions and my current destination or a driftedness? That's a word you can take home. Would your life be better if you just decided instead of lived adrift? Would following Jesus make your life better and make you better at life? That's what I think we all could learn a lot from and be better for if we answered those questions. Determine a destination and borrow a map. It's up to you what you choose to, to do here. But my recommendation and Jesus' invitation is to follow him. If you would, bow your heads. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for sending your son, for preserving his words and, and uh, insights for so many years so that we could have a choice. Because we always have a choice. Your love gives us choice. You love us so much, you have given us a choice. A choice to pick our own destination to borrow a map or not borrow a map. Lord, help us to pick wisely. Help us to follow you, your son, wisely. Help us to make decisions in other areas of our life that lead us towards you better. Maybe it's just simply coming on a Sunday and being a part of a service. Maybe it's joining a group. Maybe it's serving, maybe it's inviting, maybe it's giving, maybe it's helping at a local food bank. But we start to take those steps to follow you and see if following you makes our life better and makes us better at life. It doesn't mean that we won't suffer or have pain or heartache, but it means when the detours come up, we're on a rock and we can get through it no matter what. Lord, help us to be honest with ourselves and seek you out in all of our decisions. In your name I pray, amen.